0: good afternoon everybody welcome to the matt townsend show i'm your host dr matt townsend your guide on the side your life coach today today we're teaching you about life the good the bad the ugly we're going to celebrate a few victories today as well Two of our staffers, they went away, they conquered, they came back. They're different men now. And I'm going to award one of them a special award. I only brought one award, or I would be able to give both of you the
1: award. Is this award edible? You could say that. Well, what is isn't edible, really? Well,
0: uh, here's the deal. I walked in today so excited because I I felt penitent. Is that the word? Uh. Repentant was the word. But then I think, I thought I had cleansed my, my ill will that I had towards somebody. So I came in extra early, about two minutes earlier, and, um, walked right into the studio, looking for Skyboy. Just looking, Sky, to just see your cute face, rub that little red head of yours, and just thank you for being such a great board op. And do you remember what you
2: said to me, Sky? (laughs)
0: Right when I walked in. Uh, By the way, you were talking to a lovely young lady. I know about guitar music, so it had nothing to do with work. (laughs)
2: Was that Katie, by the way? Katie? Katie. Oh, no, that wasn't Katie. That's my friend. She's married. Okay. Oh. Oh. So. Does her husband know? Yeah, I'm actually good friends with her husband, too. You're talking to, okay. Yeah, he's a cool guy.
0: Well, I walked in, and uh, I feel in love. When When I walked in, I was feeling love for you in a good way. And do you remember what you said? Vaguely. Well, we, just try to. Uh, just try maybe to, you could refresh my well, memory. Well, it was, uh, was kind of like, um, oh, <laughs> you're here today? <laughs> that's what you said to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was rude. Sorry. Oh, there you go. That's all I was going for. <laughs> okay. And so um, issue resolved. <laughs> issue resolved. Okay. Now that that's done. Um, I was coming in to give you an award. Really? Because when I walked in, I didn't see it with Bryce so much because Bryce, I think, was busy working.
1: Okay. I do that occasionally.
0: Well, you do it a lot. Not on a daily basis, <laughs> no, but just today, occasionally. Well, you, you, were, you were trying to meet the deadline of today's show. And I made it. You nailed it. You made it, in fact, a minute before the show. Woo! A lot of people turn their stuff in in our pre-meeting. Bryce likes to get it here right before the show.
1: Hey, lunch isn't going to eat itself.
0: Good point. Depends what you're eating. <laughs> um, so I brought you, I, I decided, because you always complain that I never get you I, I think. Something. I
2: think everything you're telling me right now is a lie it's to, to a begin lie. with.
0: I've got it in my hand right here. Yeah. I've got something special for you. Okay? You always say, hey, you never bring me anything. Kind of like that. <laughs> and because you passed your scuba test. Uh-huh. You passed, right? I did pass. So you're an official scuba dyer. Yeah. Diver. diver. Um and you too passed, Bryce, in the middle of the yacht? I did indeed. Okay, so you both passed. If you guys want to share this, you can. But I'm giving it to Sky.
1: What is it? Um Self esteem. <laughs> it's not no? self esteem. No, okay.
0: But it's something near and dear to my heart.
1: That
2: uh I just wanted you to have it. Is there anything in your hand? I swear? I think oh, there's It's not, not scary. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. thank you very much. That's dental floss. You give me dental floss. That's no, brand new dental floss. Bra- yeah, the plastic Is still on the top. It's... I, I haven't tasted it.
1: Open that. Crack it open. See if it's.
0: Crack it be. open. Pass that around. Give everyone a little sample.
1: Ooh, fresh. Is it so minty? It's minty. Okay. Oh, and
0: it's the minty stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so I um,
2: I got you dental floss. I really appreciate that. Actually, take it
3: for a test drive.
2: <laughs> oh, good. That's a that's a big piece, Rob. Rob's, do you use that much to floss? God, yeah, Rob. That's high how many teeth do you have?
3: It's, uh, it's the flat kind. Now, let
0: me tell you why I got the dental floss. Okay. Um, A, because we talked about it the other day and you're the only guy. No. How's it going there, Rob? <laughs> Rob is actually <laughs> Rob's going in town on his teeth now.
3: This, this is high quality stuff.
2: Did you have corn for lunch? Corn no, the cob. but,
3: uh, you know, never pass up a good piece of dental floss.
2: Just don't <laughs> flick any particles over I here. you That's, <laughs> <will>. that's, that's <laughs> going to be another
1: chapter in my memoir, never pass up a good piece of dental floss. Here,
0: here's why the dental
2: floss. You would
0: think, man, Matt, no way, you care so much about me. Did you, like, stop extra special to get
2: me some dental floss? Did you go to the dentist today? I went to the dentist and today. And they give you this dental floss, I'm guessing? This is the one they pass out at the dentist. Well, usually. they said,
0: does Sky still work with you? Really? And I'm like, know. sure. <laughs> and so... Um, no, but here's the funny story. Is it bad that going to the dentist is a good day? Because today was a great day for me.
4: Yes. Dentists, I no. <laughs> today's a great
0: day because if I go to the dentist, that's a one-hour trip. Let's just go to the dentist for an hour, right? But it's three hours off for me. So I had pretty much half a day of work. I got to see two
2: clients. Boom. Got to come here. Did they clean your teeth? They cleaned them. I love when the dentist cleans my oh, teeth. Oh, man. So do I. I actually really enjoy going to the dentist do when it's just to clean the teeth. Yeah, I hate that. I really? hated it.
0: I'm not good at that. Right. I like the way it feels after,
2: but um, I'm kind of squirmy in the chair. Did... My The roof of my mouth is very tickly. Have you ever had the fluoride treatments? Oh, yeah. I like those, too. Oh, it's like you... the foamy stuff Hold everywhere. on, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, you okay, you're messed, up.
0: So messed um, up. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> on my drive... To the dentist. By the way, some people are stressed by that. Not me. This is a day off. Three hours. Three hours off. Full day. Full day. And I'm dre- I was dressed and ready. So I, I'm dressed and ready with three hours of free time. Well, now a <laughs> half hour in the chair. So I, I get on the freeway. It's packed. Packed freeway.
1: Sounds like Rob's dreamland. Are they still resurfacing every single thing at the worst possible time? You know what? I don't know because I got off the freeway. Thanks, I-15. You yeah. can't
3: do it in the winter time, so They have to hurry before it
0: do gets cold. Do it at cold. night. Maybe that's – Do think it at it, night. I think there was an accident or something. So here I am on the way to the dentist. Some people call that stressful. B, I'm now stuck in traffic. Some people call that stressful. I was now about 15 to 20 minutes late to my dentist appointment. Some people call that stressful. Okay. Guess what? I was listening – To a CD from a professor, I think Avery, from Duke University, talking about stress. (laughs) I had the CD in, and I wasn't stressed. That's the triple whopper.
2: It's a triple whopper. Feeling love for Sky. At that moment, you were?
0: Okay, no. Okay. No, not even close. Just wanted
2: to clarify.
0: Went to my dentist. She was grinding down on my teeth. Apparently I collect a lot of plaque. <laughs> she mentioned the need to floss, <laughs> which we talked about last couple shows ago. I think that's why she gave me the floss. <laughs> and uh I'm not using it cuz I'm going she gave me some wash, some rinse that is what Bryce uses. It's better than actually brushing. So I'm going to start rinsing. I was about to give one of you the rinse and one of you the the floss, but I've decided sorry Bryce, I'm going to start
1: You know what, if it keeps your teeth better, I want you to keep the the mouthwash.
0: Yeah, I'm doing it.
1: Okay, good, good.
0: Come to the show, lots of love, lots of joy, and then you just,
2: oh, you, you're here? Rude. Maybe I was having a very tough day, Matt. No, yesterday you were having a tough day. Yesterday you were a grouch. (laughs) Was I a grouch? You were horrible. (laughs) Today, you're you're wonderful. I want to know what set me apart yesterday from today. I don't know. You sit up straighter. I think it's
0: your new title. Scuba. Oh, Scuba. Scuba guy. Scuba guy.
4: Scuba sky.
0: Scuba sky. That's too hard to say. (laughs) Anyway, um, good time. Do you guys know what we're talking about today on the show?
2: Well, you, you know. Come on, Sky. Just think about our meeting earlier. Um, we are talking about practical wisdom and how to change a tire, how to sew a button, how to perform CPR/slash the Heimlich maneuver, how to build a fire and cooking, how to read a list that Rob hands you. <laughs> he did not hand that to me. Did you wonder where Ro- where Rob's floss went? He put it in the trash right down there. Hi-ya. He flossed his good teeth. Job. Uh, how'd it go, Rob? Was it good? That-
3: and, and I'm not just doing this for radio theater. Genuinely, that was the best dental floss I've ever used. <laughs> it tastes great. I, I wanna, when the, in the break, I want to see what brand that you is. I want to actually go buy It's
2: some. also less filling.
3: Well, I didn't eat it.
2: Oh. Are you going to floss again tonight? I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I do that often. Sometimes I'll You've, floss twice in a day. Twice a day, yeah. Oh, wow. Sometimes. Look at the perfectionist. Well,
3: flossing's kind of nice. I never thought about taking floss to work. I, I knew some people who got really particular and they'd actually bring their toothbrush and everything to work but that's a little no. out of hand but i think if you're flossing, washing your teeth
0: in
1: a restroom at work hygiene's not your issue we've reached a point that we really need to you know step back and, and yeah. but to, go, run to the,
3: go to the restroom at work for a minute or two and floss no it improves your breath what, what, it's, no, easy, what, oh. it's cheap. What what if you eat and lunch and you have food
2: particles weird. in your teeth? That's great. You know what? How do you, how do you get them out? Go to the go to the Is it better to sit there with lot. your finger and pick it up? I out? don't want to
0: watch you floss. It's don't, very personal. you don't personal. have to floss in front of people. Yeah, private flossing. Go in a stall. <laughs>
1: yeah, he said to the down. <laughs> you're gonna, worried about you're now in a bathroom stall
0: situation. of a public restroom mm-hmm. flossing
3: your teeth. I think that's an overkill, but you just you don't, go you don't in have the have to restroom to the by the stall. The sink yeah. And... It's <sighs> gross. Floss and
2: it's, I think I think it's more courteous. Okay, do you like talking to people with a big piece of broccoli hanging out their front I teeth? I personally do. All right, well, you know what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but here's the deal. Okay, if we're going to do that,
2: then I'm going to wax my chest.
4: <laughs> in the bathroom. I'm going to wax it. in
2: the bathroom. You know, lucky for hill, us, you wear a chest. shirt to work. So well, we don't have to see that. But when you're talking to someone and they got broccoli in their teeth, everyone else has to I see that. I don't know that. if you've noticed, your lips were meant to close. So we don't have to see your teeth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Close your. There you go. See now I don't see it. See it's just like I'm very close. inclined to turn off your mic right now. <laughs> see, I just there's just some things that we just you know come on. Floss for emergencies. You think that's wise? We're talking about wisdom today. I think it's wise. I've I've actually. I think it's wise to floss. I do. I think it's wise to take some with you if if uh, if you need it. Do you think? Um, why don't you just brush? Why well, you do that too? You brush at work? No, not at work.
3: Ugh. Okay. Brushing is like taking a mop to your bathroom tile floor. Right. It doesn't clean the grout like, yeah, in yeah. between. That's what flossing is. And so you're, you could mop all day long and it will never look clean until you get in and actually clean between the tiles.
0: Your teeth
1: is like a bathroom floor <laughs> with grout. Well, I'm saying the, the concept. Wait no, have you seen what I eat? That's a good That's metaphor. That works.
0: See, it, it's good wisdom. Okay, good hygiene. Do it. Do it wherever. I don't care.
1: <laughs> Whatever. I'm I sorry. I still, I still I, think it's gross. It's I think gross. I would. See, say, Hannah's with me. I think I would say it's wise <laughs> to floss. I don't think it's smart to be flossing in, at the bathroom and work. No.
0: <laughs> the germs there. Seriously.
1: Right. Do they well, have it's any just like idea?
4: If you actually have something stuck in your teeth, I'm the kind of person that'll tell someone if they have something stuck in their teeth. Do you? I oh, see. Do, do. you? Yeah.
2: See, that's nice. Then how do you get it out? No, you just, just... your finger? like.
4: Well, even then, you could have, like, if you decided to have floss with you or whatever, then you could go in the bathroom and, like, floss I don't your think teeth
0: it's a bathroom. Yeah, so this, this I is, would just turn... I would just turn... You guys could just turn and look out the window and floss your teeth
1: and no one would pay attention. You know what? I'd just go home. Once there's something stuck in my teeth, i just go home.
4: Day's over. Day. Time to go to you know done. Netflix. Don't
1: give Sky those ideas. <laughs> he already goes I'll home in the
0: middle of the show. <laughs> Do you? Are you the kind that when you actually see somebody with something on their teeth that you actually say something like, "Hey, you got a big I will. I piece will. of spinach?" Well, if I, if I like them, what if they're your boss?
5: Mm, I don't if know. It's what, our if Dawn, boss Andy what if Don so had nice. this big,
0: you know, leaf of spinach? Is that what you call it? I
4: would tell Don, he's nice. What would you say? I How tell would you Mark. say it, Hannah? I would not tell Mark.
0: You wouldn't? Oh, I would tell Mark.
4: Oh, he'd. He, I'd be scared. I Hi. love Mark, but I'd Mark's be scared. got
0: teeth. Mark could. What do you say? So how do you say that? Hey. You got a little something point something. right
4: where it's at.
0: What if What if it doesn't come off
1: because it's permanent?
4: That's when I pull out my little handy dandy mirror.
1: No, that's when you, you go to uh, where they have the, the big old fire hose. You say, hey, hey, could you come with me for a little bit? Could you come with me? And then you just like the emergency fire hose. Break it out, turn it on right in the mouth. Boom. <laughs> gone. And then there when all
4: their teeth are gone, the problem See? solved.
1: Problem solved. <laughs> okay. Do we, do we do that anymore or is it all just fire extinguishers? Are there like fire hoses anymore? No, I don't no, think No, so. it's not a thing? There's fire. They, they
3: now have fire suppression systems in the ceilings, uh. so you don't have to worry about it. You can just focus on getting out of the building. Okay. Um,
0: practical wisdom. That's today's topic.
3: You read a long list of stuff. You were pretty close considering he
0: handed it to you. Uh, practical wisdom, meaning do you do you know – so you might know. you might be book smart. You might know a lot about the board – how to operate the board. I don't
1: know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. People guitar say guitar like, chord. People say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not book smart. I'm street smart. And you know what I hear? I'm not actually smart. I'm just imaginary smart. Yeah, you know, you're learned. You done went to school and you've learned to trade. Hey, I got my
0: learns. So, so one of the rules of practical wisdom, though, is you got to know, you got to have wisdom for things in life. You got to be smart about certain things, like changing a tire. Have you changed the tire,
2: Sky? Yes. Okay. Stuff like that.
0: Do you Do you know how to get rid of uh, tomato stain on your shirt?
2: Like
5: a whoa, spaghetti whoa, stain. Whoa, 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 Matt!
1: Burn the shirt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about that today. Uh, at that point, I Or tied to go. Tied to go. I would use tied to go.
0: See, so you would be smart enough to go get a product to if- fix it
2: if my mom was unavailable to ask her what so i would you'd do call and then, mom. and this is considering moms, it's a shirt that i actually like will wear again and that it's a big stain cuz sometimes i just let it go so what we would call you we would say your mom is wise and you and are and i'm wise to consult my mother is a a wise person someone who just thinks they can do it all themselves or they look at their options and the people that are available to help and they are mm-hmm. they're not so selfish that they can't ask for help what <laughs> What was that? I'm wise enough to ask for help. Well, exact question kept going.
0: I was like wondering, when's that question going to end? That was not wise. Like, I mean, it was,
1: it was, like, is he wise enough to be wise to ask about if wisdom. he's wise enough yeah. to ask? See, now that makes sense. That no,
4: way. there was way too many whys in that, yeah. whys in that statement. So. The point,
0: your mom's wise. You still need your mom. You still need your mommy.
2: If, if my wise. mom was available, I'd
0: just Tide to go. Well, but your mom wants you wise enough to just know what to do. I promise. She calls me every day about this. <laughs> okay. And so we're going to learn about all that stuff. We're also going to find out how sometimes the very systems that we employ as parents, as uh, friends, as coworkers, sometimes we enable the other people around us to never learn wisdom. We keep saving them from their problems. Practical wisdom. That's what we're talking about on the Matt Townsend Show. You excited, Sky, about your present?
2: Yeah, thank you. I'm going to use this. You're welcome. It's because I care. Okay. <laughs> what was that? I think uh, I think it's time to go to break. We'll talk about
1: did this you see during the break.
0: He gave me the eye.
1: He did. He gave you the, <clears throat> it's time to go to break. You
0: All guys, right. did you just notice, don't say I haven't tried. I've tried, okay? So when HR comes in. It
1: was a, it was a free <laughs> sample.
0: Free sample from my dentist. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about practical wisdom. By the way, you know what I hate about going to the dentist? Uh, today when I was driving down here, I like to partake, um, of some caramels. So I went to the dentist today. Now all my teeth hurt. My gums hurt. Because they like, took all the caramel out of there that was keeping them safe? I think the caramel, uh, it was caramel's gone because I brushed, but, um, they then, you know, they scrape on everything enough that <laughs> they loosen all your teeth. They poke all your gums. And then it's hard to eat sugary, caramely foods. Because it all gets stuck in there.
1: Hmm. You, you had Your teeth were in a nice seal.
0: Yeah. My teeth were sealed. Now with sugar, see that's pr- you'd think that that would be wisdom. You, to you just think. leave the teeth alone. I mean, the rest of the animal kingdom—they don't go to the dentist. Well, have you seen a giraffe? They look horrible, but they're happy. Those people have buck teeth. <laughs> Actually, I guess a giraffe's not a person. Right. So anyway, today we're talking about practical wisdom, right? So there's just certain things in life you should know. And so think about it out there. If I threw a microphone in front of your face and said, hey, what should every teenager know that you didn't learn until you were 30 or whatever? You'd all have some really good ideas. Now, Bryce has found that some people think they're wise, but their wisdom doesn't
1: end up being so wise. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. Some people are really smart, but not particularly wise. Then again, some ideas aren't all that smart, but there's a lot of wisdom in there. Another way to think about this concept is that some ideas look good on paper, but are terrible in practice. Here's some examples of what I'm talking about. First off, all you have to do is hit Pinterest for about five minutes, and you'll find dozens of these good on paper, terrible in practice ideas. But let's move on from there. There's the video telephone. The original telephone just made life better, especially for families that are all spread out. In the 1800s, if you moved more than 100 miles away you would never have to endure another one of grandma's guilt trips but the telephone solved that problem We figured out how to move the voice thousands of miles, but that still didn't satisfy our need to see our people. So, naturally, the video telephone was the next step, right? The movie sure thought so, and we keep trying to no avail. The reality is that the telephone gives us exactly what we need. We just want to be able to communicate with people. But once you introduce video, the whole dynamic changes. Now I have to stay in one spot. Now I have to be mostly clothed. I have to pay attention. The telephone is cool because I can walk around my apartment only wearing shorts, as I fold laundry, wipe down the countertops, and pick up everything on my floors while having a meaningful conversation with my mom. Another example, there was 2010's film Avatar The Last Airbender. Alright, let's break this one down. It's based on the hit cartoon series. The show was universally praised for just about everything. It looked like a kid's show being played on what was definitely a more kid-oriented network, but even still, it showed it had the chops for high quality and compelling writing because adults were eating the show up. So the people in charge decided to make a movie out of it. Makes sense, right? Then who did they get to direct it? M. Night Shyamalan. You know, the guy who made Unbreakable. The Sixth Sense He's a good call for a director Plus a $150 million budget This seemed almost impossible to mess up Well, Avatar The Last Airbender is universally regarded As one of the worst movies ever made, written, and directed It's been a few years since it came out And it's still getting awards for being terrible Another example, there's Communism And last but not least, there's eugenics. The idea for eugenics is to exert some degree of influence over human breeding patterns in order to slowly but surely make the best humans possible. The hope was that we'd make people smarter, stronger, healthier, and I get it, I'm all for bettering the species, but there's two problems. The first is that nature has this way of taking your plans and then smashing them, because with eugenics, there's no way to control what genes get passed on. The best you could hope for would be to limit the number of randomized options, which could certainly get you some good results, but there's nothing stopping Mother Nature from saying, hey, guess what? Mutation! Now this baby has three arms. Take that, humans who thought they had everything figured out. The other problem is what constitutes better? Some choices are obvious, like eliminating cancer. But some are based entirely on cultural ideas like hair color or skin color. And if you're going to influence who does breed, that means by default you're going to be influencing who doesn't breed, and that's the ethical equivalent of Pandora's box. Besides, eugenic totally eliminates space for things like love, or the unselfishness that is needed in caring for those who are bedridden. It's interesting to note that eugenics was meant to make humans better, but by enacting it, it made us so much worse. The pitfall for all of these ideas is that they seemed really good on paper, but were utterly impractical once they were actually tried out. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome.
0: Okay, so we go from your bit where you're talking eugenics.
1: I'm just saying, I think that's one of our best examples of great idea on paper. When you work out all this stuff, you're like, this is going to be great. This is going to be awesome. When
0: was that? The 70s? Uh,
1: No, that started up in like 1913-ish, maybe. That's when they actually started (sighs) eugenics programs. Okay,
0: wisdom proven wrong.
1: Well, I'm just saying, I guess what's the difference? Because it's pretty smart. Let me give you another one.
0: I don't know. 20 minutes ago, we were talking about floss. Yeah. Smart. Skyboy won't let it go. Smart. I don't know if it was He wise. asked the question. I don't know. Okay, so um, if you floss, you know, when you floss, do you, do, you, do you think you floss, should you floss before you brush or after you brush? What do you think? I mean, what do you think?
2: <laughs> What's he talking about? Let it go, Sky. Let it go. Is that how I talk? Yeah. <laughs> it was the... <clears throat> And then It wasn't, you're like, it wasn't you're... a should. It was, do you do well, it this way? Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, I, so I, do know, you... I think I know what you should do, but you asked. It as okay, of... then, then this is where it got funny.
0: <laughs> because really, um, if you brush and then you, you floss, <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't taste the mint as, as, as well. So what you said.
1: I just actually just get mint leaves and I just chew on them. Yeah, well. No, I don't actually do that. That's disgusting. Anyone who has done that has also learned that lesson. You that. know, it's
0: a wonder. It's a wonder. <laughs> this show works. At all? Do they not listen to the show upstairs? I think we're still beta testing just, it, Matt. <laughs> I think the two-year beta. This is the
2: placebo show.
5: No, it's not. You because think we're you're going we're, on air? No, we're
2: the Matt Townsend <laughs> Show Grande. We're now a half hour long. Can we call it the Venti? The Venti? No, it's no, a Grande. It's a Grande. I bet this is some type of like science experiment. It's the Matt Townsend Show you. Macho. That's the size Macho. This room does have windows. They can see us. Anyway,
0: we're going to go to the pro. None of us have a clue about what's wise. I'm, I'm convinced. I mean, I, I think I do, because I have a doctor. You are a doctor. But oh, you gosh. guys... I, I just mean, threw up on it. You little. know what? <laughs> I, I, we're going to end up talking about floss the rest of the day now. Yep, it's going to happen. It's the last time I bring you anything, Sky.
2: Yeah, but who brought it up? Well, I know, but who thought you'd keep talking <laughs> about it? You could have given it to me before the show, and that be it. But you had to give I it tried, to me I tried. during the show. Remember, I walked in, and you gave me that Like lip. we said,
1: smart,
0: not necessarily wise. Anyway, Dr. Kenneth Sharp's going to be joining us. This guy knows... He knows the key to practical wisdom. He's going to tell us about maybe why we're not necessarily becoming so wise after all. Maybe some of our systems, the structures, some of the ways we learn. Anyway, he's the co-author of Practical Wisdom, the right way to do the right thing. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Dr. Kenneth Sharp right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about practical wisdom. You know, wisdom. Do you feel like you're a wise person? Do you feel like you're smart? Do you feel like you just know a lot about a little? And do you know enough about the things that matter? Hmm. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? So we've got the expert, uh, of all experts, that's going to be talking to us today. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Sharp is joining us. He's a professor of political science science. At Swarthmore College, specializing in political philosophy, public policy, and U.S. foreign policy. Dr. Sharp received his Ph.D. from Yale University, received a Master's of Science from London School of Economics. He's the author of Drug War Politics, The Price of Denial, among other titles, and also the co-author of the book Practical Wisdom, The Right Way to Do the Right Thing. Dr. Kenneth Sharp, thanks so much
6: for joining us. It's a pleasure to be with you Matt.
0: It really is great and th- this topic I mean it's practical wisdom. Okay. So as you think about it, professor, you've studied it and it's interesting too. You're you're coming from the the department of political science, political philosophy, public policy. This isn't like you're not just you're not just being philosophical. This is practical.
6: I think that's exactly right and it it really it grew out of the whole book and project grew out of a lot of concerns that I and my colleagues had about the lack of good judgment that's often exercised in uh, in public policy, the continual phenomena you see of policies that don't work, and then you escalate them and just do more of the same thing.
0: Oh, uh, and it seems like we're seeing more and more and yeah, more this of that. Is,
6: right. It's interesting, you know, in the book, we dealt with all sorts of areas of showing where Practical wisdom was important in everyday life and what destroyed it. And the one area that we were really hesitant to deal with in the project was the question of practical wisdom in politics, because whenever we put those words together, <laughs> uh, our friends used to think that that was just a contradiction. Yeah, in an
5: oxymoron.
6: <laughs> an oxymoron, exactly. Yeah. Um, we still worry about it and teach about it sometimes, but we also didn't want to write a book that was that in any way seemed partisan, because these issues really transcend I think, the liberal conservative divide, oh, sure. divide Democratic-Republican divides, and we didn't want to have anything that would get people off track and looking at the importance of practical wisdom in everyday life.
0: So define it for us. Um,
6: practical wisdom, what does it mean? It's really the ability to make moral choices or ethical choices in situations where there aren't clear answers. Mm. Um, and... It's our it's our contention that a lot of the ethical choices people make aren't these mm, we we sometimes call big them uh, neon light choices war or peace you know um, uh, uh, abortion or non-abortion right should I kill um, the
0: person that entered my home or should I not kill the
5: yes, intruder right.
6: they're, the, they're the kind of classic cases also that are often dominate ethics textbooks when people teach ethics and. Mm-hmm college, but a lot of the choices, we think actually most of the choices uh, that people make in their everyday lives as friends and as parents and as teachers and as doctors and lawyers are all about balancing things that are in conflict with each other that are often that are often good things. Like, you know, the, one of the simplest examples that I'm sure you and most of your listeners have experiences, you're a parent with your kid, and right. you've got this principle, you know, the good thing to do is to protect the security of your child right you don't want your child to
5: right. hurt
6: himself or herself then but then there's this other principle or rule that you've got that you want to give the child some independence so that they can learn for themselves and that the child only learns through mistakes and you want to prepare them to go out in the world and uh, and face adversity so there's little choices that we make all the time like you know your your teenage daughter asks to borrow the keys to the car you know to uh drive to downtown salt lake city right. or wherever to go meet some friends she says at a restaurant so Ugh. you know she's got to learn how to drive that's right she has to learn to take responsibility something could happen to her. you you got to figure out is not there's no rule that's going to help you have to know who your daughter is you have to know what she's capable of And you have to balance all the time yeah your need to protect her from falling, and the fact that she's going to only learn if she makes mistakes. Now that that kind of ethical choice is just part of our everyday lives, and there's no simple answer to it. And that's where the an experienced parent who has learned practical wisdom can figure out not how to apply a rule, but what's right tonight for this daughter in this particular oh, circumstance. Oh, that's how essential. Do I, how do I balance it? Yeah.
0: I mean, and you think just the way you describe that—it's I, I call I just call it like paradox. Like, how do we deal with the paradoxical world we live in, where we love our kids but we need to let them go? We right. want them to—we want them to be tested, but we don't want the test too much that it crushes or harms them. Right. But maybe close, but not. But then you can't—you can't necessarily always mitigate. And so right. it's uh, it, to me, don't you think that that's the core? Confusion to like a lot of our relationships, a lot of life because it's such a gray thing, and you exactly right. feel it out with every variable but to you have to kind exactly of exactly right. feel it out with
6: every variable but to say here's here's one of the difficulties in talking to audiences and also in teaching, which is you just you hit it right on that uh, the nail right on the head there Matt the, you've got these gray areas. There's not a clear rule or a playbook. Playbook, I like the idea. There's not a clear playbook to help you make a choice. But that doesn't mean that, well, anything goes. You know, it's not like, whatever. You know, it's not like just what I feel like. It's not like there's no moral values. It's not like it's all relative. No, there's probably a right answer in this particular circumstance. But the right answer isn't something that's going to be easily uh, yeah. Easily, easily deduced. You know, your example of the um, of the testing. Uh, it's an example that we also deal with in the book because teachers are faced constantly with the need to evaluate their students, particularly mm-hmm. in a world of standardized tests and all the kinds of sanctions that are put on students and teachers if they don't pass the test. But we also know that students learn at different paces. That sub students and they learn differently. Right. If you give a if you give a if you give a, a student or a teacher a scripted curriculum and she goes or he goes through the the script to prepare them for the test, you're not only not teaching the kid how to think often, but it may not be appropriate for this particular kid at this particular yeah. stage in their life. But it's not that it's it's not like that. There's a good or bad there. It's that the teachers need. The discretion and the judgment to figure out how to treat each student so that they can get them to the level they need to get to.
0: I um, and then we we complicate it. It seems like what we're trying to always do with government, with society, with education. We're we're trying to systematize something that is that that really can't be systematized because of the the dynamic and the need for discretion. So it's like, so we create a law, and not political, I'm not getting, but like no child left behind, and that some should be and some shouldn't be and some aren't and some wouldn't be, and the the gray is so huge, which is what you're saying. We've got to get practically wise in the moment.
6: The gray is what, the gray or the ambiguous is where I think 99% of the ethical choices we make are, you know, yeah. when it's between good and bad, I don't really think it's a tough choice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Should I kill right. or should I love?
6: Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that, uh, that's easy. Um, but when, you know, it's, I want to treat all my kids equally, but my kids are each different. What does equal mean in terms of right. you know how much time and how much attention that I pay to them? That, that's much more, that's a much more common kind of phenomenon. And it's true for doctors. That's true for lawyers, and almost, there are very few decisions among friends, among friends even. uh, The students, I remember one time in class, you know, they they started off, and I I was asking them, actually, I was teaching the class with Barry Schwartz at the time, Uh. you know, we asked them, you know, what's the characteristic, Uh, what are some of the character traits of a really good friend? They said, almost everybody said right away, a friend has got to be honest. They always have to be honest. Without honesty, there isn't friendship. (laughs) And, you know, they're absolutely right. Then, you know... Ten minutes later they started you know we were talking about more things and they talked about the importance of kindness yeah how critical that was to a friend so then one of them brings up this kind of puzzle he says you know i go to i go to take my uh girlfriend out to a party i go knock on her door she throws open the door dressed to the nines right and says how do i look mm. and i don't think she looks so good yeah
5: so you're gonna be I kind say, or you're gonna be honest yeah
6: or, or kind you know if we didn't stop the students they would talk about the variations of that for 15 or 20 minutes. They, they, they would really get into the context and the person. They'd say, well, what kind of day does she have? What kind of party are we going right. to? Are people going to laugh at her at the party if I don't say something? Is that really what kindness is going to be like? Hmm. And how, not whether, but how should I say it? Should I say you know you don't mm-hmm. look so hot, or yeah. should I say can I tease her? You know, can I? Yeah, yeah. Or you know, I remember that dress you wore, you know, back when in your closet, and I think you'd, that would be really perfect for tonight.
5: I and love one
6: that. kid. One kid. What? One kid says, you know, he's not, he's not talking, you know, and he's, and he's usually very eloquent. And I talked, I, talk, I turned to him and I said, David, you know, what, what are you thinking? And he he looks up and the class is silent. He says, he says, I am really troubled by this. He said, I think if that happened to me, I'd say, you know. I don't really feel like going to the party tonight. Let's go grab a pizza and a movie. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that was that could be a brilliantly wise decision in that particular case.
0: Isn't it? it and it's so – this is – really, you're I, – hey, I think you're onto to something, Kenneth Sharp. You have found – because it's everywhere. This is – and this is that kind of dynamic between two humans and situations that if we don't – but it's so nuanced – that we don't even pay attention to it, huh? It's kind of so intangible that you don't even know it's happening. And right. then I sit here and I think, as a parent, I'm doing these decisions. I'm, I'm kind of nuancing this practical wisdom, trying to balance my fears, their concerns, their needs. But we're not even talking about the fact that that's happening with my children. So maybe my children aren't even th- learning how I'm processing this decision.
6: Right. right. And then there's the choice you need to make, I need to make, we all need to make, at what point do you tell your kids how you're processing mm-hmm. it, and what time? At what point? Yeah, do you want because you, you don't want right? to let them
0: in too early on the secret.
6: Exactly, but you want to teach, you want to model for them right. the kinds of choices that they're going to have to make later in their lives too. But you don't want it to seem you, like you'd never say to a, you, you, you know, when when we raised our son, we started with a rule, which is you know, tell the truth, always be honest, you know. And if he came home and said, you know, well, God, you know, Dad, the stranger approached me on the street, you know, and asked Mm. me where I lived, right? And, you know, know, I'm not sure. He was a little creepy. I I didn't tell him. And we would say that was exactly the right thing to do. But we wouldn't then give him a lecture and say, well, sometimes you should be honest, and sometimes you shouldn't, and here's the rules. Mm -hmm. Look in their
0: eyes, son. You can tell by looking in their eyes. Yeah. 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 See how nuanced that is?
6: Yeah. It's so, you know, you're here, or you're here, you know, you're here, you're... (laughs) Mom said, Aunt Aunt Rose, oh, that that's a lovely pair of socks you just gave me at Christmas. And then you're going back in the car. (laughs) You say, you know, Mom, she gave you the same pair of socks last year. How come you told her that they were lovely? That wasn't true. Yeah. You don't say to the kid, well, sometimes you ought to lie. You just say, well, sometimes you don't want to hurt people's feelings. And they see these exceptions. Yeah. And they start kind of accumulating. And they, in some sense, they learn if you're mentoring them well. They learn how to make exceptions to the rules, right? But not by just eliminating the rules and getting the idea, well, I can be honest whenever I want. But which you've is also not the lesson you want to teach.
0: Yeah, you've tied it um to something I think too that's so foundational. You're not just tying it to a bunch of rules. You're even you're tying it to morals and ethics. Absolutely. So so it's almost what's so powerful is when you so you're teaching them the nuancing of morals and ethics, and it's not just black and white, and it's and yet sometimes it is black, and sometimes it sometimes is white. It,
6: yeah, and that's part of the wisdom is to figure mm. out when it's black and white. I love that, right? and um, and and when it's gray, and when you have to you, nuancing it is a is I think a very appropriate word, and then one of the critical things is gaining the experience and having the practice. So that you have the know-how to nuance it. I mean, one of yeah. our arguments is that ethical choice demands know-how, just like any craft yeah. demands know-how. I so love it. If it's it. not a rule, it's really something that you learn through practice, like a like a carpenter learns to um, you know, measure, like a carpenter yeah. uses a rule of thumb. Yeah, and then you still got to eye it a little bit. Exactly.
0: We're talking with Dr. Kenneth Sharp. We're going to come back and, and learn some of the practices Of practical wisdom, how do you how do you teach your kids and and instill the ability to make moral and ethical decisions, choices in the everyday to day situation? You know, how do you teach it? And uh, we're calling it practical wisdom. We'll be back with Dr. Kenneth Sharp. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. There's the hoedown music. we are coming up on the hour. Dr. Kenneth Sharp is joining us. Fascinating dis- uh, discussion here about what he calls practical wisdom. Dr. Sharp is a professor of political science at Swarthmore College, specializes in political philosophy, public policy, U.S. foreign policy. He has his doctorate from Yale. He's the author of pra- uh, co-author of Practical Wisdom, The Right Way to Do the Right Thing, Fascinating. Now check this out. So let's say you're just having a life out there. You got, you know, you've got a really weird moment. If I tell the police officer the truth, I get ticketed. If I, uh, if I don't, my kids in the back seat. No, I lied. That is the crux. There's the moment. To implement what I think uh, Dr. Sharp would say, some practical wisdom, am I accurate there, Dr. Sharp? no yeah, exactly right so now we 've got to figure out okay i don 't want to lie because my kids will hear i don't want to tell the truth because the cop will ticket me, so the practical wisdom is then letting knowing how to go with moral and ethical choices in the moment
6: and you know and that that's a really it's a really interesting case Matt, because it 's not just you can see in that case that it's not just the weather, but the how. Mm. I mean, the kids are going to watch how you talk to the policeman oh. and how you explain yourself, and you know, for the policeman too.
5: Yeah, the kids that's are true. they're
6: going to be watching what the police say and how the policeman treats their father, and they're going to learn from both of those things. They're going to—that's powerful. You know, they're going to—they're going to learn both how you deal with the police, and they're going to learn whether their father actually. Mm, I hate to use the cliche, but you know, walks the walk or just right. walks the talk.
0: Well, what's powerful is, and the cop doesn't have to ticket me because he can use practical wisdom and say, "Oh, here's a great teaching moment." Right. A dad was honest. I mean, they because they don't always ticket. So the law says they could, but they're even open to practical wisdom as well.
6: Absolutely, the father could say, "You know, I'm, I'm, I'm ticking I'm terribly sorry. He probably is." I'm um, I'm I'm rushing the kids to uh, um a basketball game cuz one of them is a you know lead player we left the house late I'm really worried they're going to start soon I was speeding I'm sorry you know give me the ticket you know oh, I I broke the law the cop can say well listen the the you know the health and safety of your kids are much more important than getting to a basketball game when you're speeding like that, you know you're never going to forgive yourself if you kill them. Right. I really want you to be more careful next time. I'm going to give you a warning. Those, both of those, both of those are, you know, possible scenarios yeah. that um, that could happen. And if the if the cop decides to work to rule, right, and say, nope, you were five, you were you were five miles over. I don't care about the context. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the circumstances. You know. I'm going to zap you, which yeah, he has, you know, the legal, the legal, right, to the do. legal right to do that. Um, it, it's not that he's done something wrong, but it, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not it, sure it was a why. It, it doesn't further. It doesn't further morality, right? In that particular case,
0: that's powerful. You, you know, call what it what the is, rule. True, like, what do you call it? The right to rule? Um, uh, maybe. Well, no, I, I kind of call know, it spirit of the law, spirit of. Spirit
6: of, a, yeah, I think it's the spirit of the law. There's this wonderful, this is wonderful um, metaphor or story in one of the classic uh, Greek texts that talks about practical wisdom, which is the um, the book called the Ethics by Aristotle. Mm-hmm. And he's talking; he, he wants his audience to understand what practical wisdom is. So he's talking about the stonemasons on the island of Lesbos who are the ones who carve. The curved columns mm-hmm. or the Greek temples, and um, these stonemasons generally had available these wooden rulers, which they used to uh, measure things. But in order to get the columns right, they needed to measure the circumference, and they couldn't measure it, it with a the wooden ruler. ruler. So they created a lead ruler, hmm. and which is kind of the forerunner of our tape measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it was developed on the Isle of Lesbos, they call it they called it the Lesbian Rule, it's using <laughs> the word lesbian, different than,
5: yeah, than we today. use
6: it. And he he uses it to say, in order to get things right, they had to bend the rule, but they didn't throw yeah. out the ruler. It wasn't that right. It was anything went. But you have to know in the context of when you need to when you need to bend a rule and when you don't
5: hmm.
6: um and that's again a kind of an example you know, let me give you one more quick yeah. example which is a story in the um the whole the all the stories in the book are true stories i mean they're not we don't they none of them are invented cases but there's a story of this of this young man named Michael who's lost his job um and is depressed he's got a wife and a kid um he's been a great father but he's just he is down in the dumps he goes out and he gets drunk and he um he robs a taxi mm. and he's picked up right right then and there um and he's uh he's got what looks like a gun when he robs the, uh, the taxi and he's brought before this judge in philadelphia lois Forer. um he admits that he's guilty and she's got to sentence him well there's a law in pennsylvania which um says Armed robbery in a public conveyance, like a taxi, you have, um, well, the law was just in the midst of changing, but it was first two and then five year mandatory minimum sentence. And Foray Foray looks at the case and she finds, she looks at the context. One of the elements of the context is that the gun the guy used is a toy gun that he took from his kid. Mm. And the other is that he was depressed, he doesn't usually drink, he's been a great father, he's been earning money to put his kid through parochial school, you know, couldn't be a better citizen. She just says, I cannot in good, this is not just, it's not good for him, it's not good for his family, it's not good for society, I'm going to bend the rule. So she she sends him to prison for a year, allows with permission to leave each day to um um to work, He come back in the evening, he's got to pay restitution to the taxi cab driver, he goes on parole, Uh, everything works out swimmingly. And then the prosecutor, who's lost the case, brings the case to the Philadelphia, to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. And they then go back to Foray after this guy is out of jail and tell her that she has to apply the five-year mandatory minimum sentence because she doesn't have the discretion because it's a mandatory sentence to do it. So mm. you, you can kind of see an example. Yeah. Uh, this is why you have judges. You, right. can, you have judges yeah. exactly because not to disobey the law, but to apply the law in a particular context.
0: But I guess we're not needing to apply it practically with wisdom, moral and, and, and certainly ethics. That's,
6: the, that's one of the problems with mandatory minimum mm-hmm. sentencing is that in an, in an, in a, in a, in an attempt to really you know, send a message – um, particularly about drugs, you 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 develop these rules. Yeah, the three strikes. Um, the... the three strikes you're out is the classic example. These are now being ameliorated as people see the bad consequences. And their police departments, um, um, the Supreme Court, a number of state courts, are now giving judgment back to judges. Uh, or they're giving discretion yeah. back to judges very slowly. But we've had 20 years of filling the jails, sometimes with very petty um, petty. You know, acts of vandalism and theft with people who get twenty or thirty years because they're at their third strike. Right. And it's it's it, it's,
0: it seems it's like right. this is where human practical wisdom is what enhances humanity. Absolutely. The la- I guess uh, you know realistic enforcement doesn't make us more human. If if we didn't need if a judge should use practical wisdom, right. not, and it, it, we would just call them enforcers, Okay, They're right. their law, their ruler
6: yeah. enforcers. And she, Lois for her, Judge for her, had to figure out, was Michael really dangerous? Mm-hmm. If he was really dangerous, then she should have thrown the book at him.
5: Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah.
6: So it's, it's not like, well, the judge can decide whatever she wants to decide. She needs to understand the context, she needs to understand Michael. She's got principles she's aiming at. One is to protect the security of the community. One is to rehabilitate the person who's committed the offense. The third is to make sure that Michael's family is taken care of, that Michael you know, can get a job when he mm-hmm. uh, gets out. And another one is restitution of the person against which he committed the crime. Every one of those principles is a good principle, right. but they're in conflict with each other. And, and in this particular case, it's not like she's chucking the principles. She's got to figure out how to balance them. Yeah.
0: You know what's, uh, and then you can see there, not at, not having the practical wisdom drives costs up. Oh, so now yeah. all of a sudden there's a there's a financial case yeah. to this there's lack. Crisis,
6: of there's a crisis in state financing. We can't keep can't keep building prison beds and prisons oh, yeah. quickly enough to catch all the Huge. put all the people away. Oh man,
0: good stuff. We are uh, we're figuring it out. We're talking to Dr. Kenneth Sharp, who's the co-author of Practical Wisdom: The Right Way to Do the Right Thing. Fascinating discussion. When we come back, we're gonna we're gonna get into uh, some of the power, the sources of hope that can come from uh, the application of practical wisdom. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we're talking about practical wisdom today. And uh, before we go there, uh, if only I could have taken a picture of it. One minute ago, not even a minute, 22 seconds ago, our own little sky boy was doing a little jig while the bumper music was coming up on the show. Just almost, he looked like an aerobics instructor trying to get me to pick up my pace. That was the goofiest looking thing I've ever seen. I was just
2: suggesting you could do that during the rest of the show. Yeah, that was a great suggestion. Get a little exercise Uh, I'm I'm going to say no. But I do want you to keep
0: doing it (laughs) because it makes me happy inside watching you just... I'll do it if
2: you do it. No.
0: I'm really busy. I've got a killer guest who's teaching us so much today. Practical wisdom. Have you ever been in that place, that dilemma where uh, you have two good choices, right? And... They're both good and and you need to make a decision and you don't know quite what to do uh you know or even harder maybe two more difficult choices it's uh it's hard when all of a sudden you have to decide which way to go what to choose and you need some discernment right you need some way to handle this this kind of nuanced difficult moment our guest today calls that practical wisdom. Practical wisdom is the ability to make moral or ethical choices in situations. Our guest is Dr. Kenneth Sharp, and uh, Dr. Uh, Sharp is joining us. He he He's interestingly in the field of political science, right? So you'd think this would be philosophy, and he's just sitting here spewing philosophy, but the reality is no. He uh, he's in political science. He's not just sitting here talking ideas that are up in the air. He's talking about how we as parents need to teach our kids some of the nuanced ways that we that we uh, think, how we can communicate ways that they can choose to be more moral. They can choose a better ethical choice. Dr. Kenneth Sharp uh, received his PhD from Yale University. He currently is a professor of political science at Swar- Swarthmore College, specializing in political ph- philosophy, public policy, U.S. foreign policy. He also is the co-author of the book Practical Wisdom: The Right Way to Do the Right Thing. Dr. Sharp, welcome back, my friend.
6: Good, thank you. Good to Glad have good you to be with you.
0: It really is. I think it's so needed. What we're learning here from you. Let's let's talk a little bit about. Um, we, in our last section, we were talking about you know institutions sometimes have a harder time working on this little nuanced space. I call it the space between the mm-hmm. the, the dilemma there because mm-hmm. we have our rules, we have our laws, we you know we have government funding from whatever situation. So that that's harder. Um, it also seems like people themselves, a lot of them feel very safe in rules, mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily. Want to think about the nuance between the rules and kind of the the grayer area?
6: I think a lot of people i don't I don't think it's genetic, although some people might, might be more disposed, you know to you know be safe and follow a rule as opposed to use discretion and take a chance of getting things wrong. Right. Um, but I think a lot of it is to go back to the theme that you started with. It is the institutions that we're, um, we're brought up in, whether it's the family or the schools or the workplace. Or religion, even, right? Or religion. It, you know, if, if, if you – how can I put you – know, here's a simple way to put it. it the, only, the only way you're going to learn um, the wisdom to figure out how to act in gray areas, to figure out what's right and wrong in this particular circumstance is through experience. But a lot of that experience is making mistakes. Right. Uh, in fact, there's this famous quip by um, by um, uh, Will Rogers in the 1930s, who says something to the effect: "The only way you learn um, good judgment is through experience, and most of that experience is the exercise of bad judgment." <laughs> which you know, I think is so it's true. right. So, right. so that that means that you have to be in situations in which. You know, you're allowed, you you know, you've got mentors and coaches, but you're, you're allowed to fall from Mm -hmm. time to time without it being disastrous. I don't mean like, you know, cutting the wrong knee off of the wrong person. (laughs) Um, Where's my my leg? Right. Yeah. Um, But, um, but the idea that you can learn through mistakes is really absolutely critical because how is it like even with friends or with kids, you know, if you've, if you've used the wrong tone of voice, if you haven't read the situation correctly if you've so hurt their f- feelings that they can't talk to you if you don't if you haven't learned this is a critical virtue i think that's at the heart of wisdom the empathy mm-hmm. to understand what somebody else is thinking and feeling but how, how is it that you learn empathy i mean you learn empathy yeah. by trying Pain. things out by talking right. to people by trying to listen and then you get signals When you get it wrong, right? People get mad at you. They get insulted. They close off, and then you reflect on, you know, how it is that you got it wrong, and you try to get it better next time. But there's no, there's no pill to take, no rule to give someone to become a good listener, to be empathetic, to get in the hearts and minds of someone. You're learning through experience, and you're going to make mistakes in that experience. You got to have situations, whether it's in. Um, you know, in the church or synagogue or mosque yeah. or workplace or home, in which um, people can cut you a little slack and also help you learn from your mistakes right. by, you know, by by correcting um, what it is that you're what it is that you're doing.
0: It's interesting. We so we in a lot of these institutions, you shroud yourself with all the rules, exactly, and then sometimes and then you don't always allow error. So, right. so then you almost have to become – you have to pay homage to the rule.
6: You- well, to go back to the earlier example, one classic rule in teaching is a scripted curriculum. Mm-hmm. You know, it's day 57. Yep. Everybody in our school system is teaching, you know, the second graders um, the letter B, right. and they're following a script for how to do that. And, um, and if they don't follow that script, they could be in trouble. Because right. the principal or an observer could be coming in, and they're violating the scripted curricula. They're breaking the rule of how to teach. But you don't know what's going to happen inside the classroom. Mm-mm. You've got to be prepared to, you know, to go with the uh, to go with the flow. If a discussion starts in some way, if children bring up something else about the letter B or whatever it is that you're teaching them. Right. You, need the, you need the discretion to do that. Now, you're going to blow it sometimes. But if you've got the, the kind of sword of Damocles hanging over your head, you're going to get 10 demerits or lose your job or be sanctioned by the principal if you violate the scripted curricula. How are you going to actually learn to adjust what it is you teach to the particular student you're teaching? You're right. not going to learn no. it. Do you, you, on the other hand, you can't have a system that just says well it's all do loose. Whatever, whatever. You want. Do whatever whatever feels you want. good right. yeah so, that, But see uh, this is
0: the balancing point isn't it right. this is so you're saying practical wisdom is the ability to have the insight, the experience, even the moral code and history practicing empathy and morality exactly. and ethics to, to know how to balance it and I guess that's why you say it's really a source of hope then that's where yeah, that's the hope right. comes.
6: That's where the hope comes, and you can see it. Is there's, there time to give one more quick example? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. I think the one of the one of the um, cases that really was very invigorating, I would say, to um, Barry Schwartz and I, um, was this uh, case of this judge, Judge uh, Robert Russell, in uh, Buffalo, New York, who was watching the vets come back from Afghanistan and Iraq, and filling up his courts. Um, for petty crimes oh. that they were committing. A lot of them had mental illness, a lot of them had PTSD, uh, and, uh, a lot of them were doing drugs, and, um, what he just, it, it, there was this one, one case of this guy, I think his name was Gary Pettengill, who had been discharged from the army because he'd hurt his back in Afghanistan. Um, he was having trouble finding a job and, uh, getting like powdered milk even for his young mm. kid and he started dealing in marijuana first he started taking it for his pain then he started dealing with it he gets picked up he gets brought to judge russell well judge russell has actually created a new institution like a few months before Pettengill comes in it's called the veterans court oh wow which is a little bit like the drug courts but yeah. the veterans court is a place where any vet who has committed you know a non-violent um, crime, uh, more minor crime, can choose to plead guilty and go into that court. And what Russell does is he looks at the particular case and he mandates these people, not just into treatment, but into um, work and into a mentoring relationship with another vet that the Veterans Administration awesome. has, yeah. I mean, the, the local VA or the local, you know, American Legion or Veterans yeah. Organization has provided. And... Um, if if he's very strict about the terms that they need to follow, they've got to report back to him every two weeks, they've got to do the particular treatment program, they've got to show progress at work, so it's not just letting yeah. them off. Yeah. But think about the difference there, that what you're doing is you're teaching them to learn from their mistakes. He's not in the position... Of having to give them a mandatory minimum sentence, right. right? So that's going to send Gary Pettengill off to jail for five years. And who's and still paying? Yeah, go on, right.
0: He's paying so, the price for his service.
6: Exactly right, and it's and there's a there's a way in which he, as a judge, can both be flexible and he can help educate the the people and give them something to. Uh, Hope for, but he did it not just as an individual judge, but by creating this whole different court system inside the regular court system. You begin; he created the first one, and that was like about five years ago. And now they're in about 40 different cities around the country. And in terms of recidivism, like the vets coming back in that have been through court, it's incredible. The rate is much much lower. Oh, I bet. Well, I mean, because it, they've it, got a, they've got something to hope
0: for. Well, it's a new way, right? So, it's a new answer that wouldn't have been found choosing one of the other answers. Exactly. And and it actually is moral.
6: It's, it's wow. That that's the key piece to this. It's all based on doing the right thing and finding right. the right way to do it. Oh, um, and in this case, you had to you had to circumvent a bad institution, yep. a mandatory minimum sentencing, by creating a special court that would allow you to have the discretion to work in this context with the particular cases of these vets and do the right thing and get them on the right road instead of siloing, putting them in a silo, you know, in a yeah. prison for five years, and they're going to just have all the problems and worse when they get out. And,
0: and I guess what's powerful about that, too, is you only need one judge. To to leverage what they can do, and then you you can create more moral courts
6: for the vets. Absolutely, and you know, just one more quick thing on that that you made me think of for Judge Russell to have done this. What he did was he he called you know he called together in Buffalo the people in the parole system, the prosecutors social workers, people in the Veterans Administration, and people in the veterans' organizations who would, donate, you know, who would be willing to volunteer to be mentors. So he, he put together a whole package from mm-hmm. the community. He got buy-in from all these different groups and from the police, who all these people understand that the mandatory minimum sentencing is just like a revolving door. Right. They're picking up people. They're sticking them in jail. They get out. They're in as bad shape as they were before. They're just going to get picked up again and revolve back in. Everybody knows that what he did was to kind of build an alliance in Buffalo in which he had the support from these different groups to create a new system in which they all, the police, the social workers, the VA, the whole, you know, kit and caboodle kind of work together to find another way out. Right. Right. It's
0: brilliant. It, oh, it is, and, and no, and no laws were robbed. And Mercy, no Mercy were was robbed. still there. Exactly. Accountability was still there. The justice was still done. There was still you got it. And, and changes were made. Lives were changed. It's interesting. Exactly that's right. probably why recidivism was down, right? I think that's exactly right. So maybe one of our problems with recidivism and people reacting and acting out over and over is we haven't found the right. Uh, we haven't found the right treatment. We haven't found the right solution. I think that's right. We, we found maybe the legal solution, or the ones based in law, or maybe the ones sometimes that are based too much in mercy, or even sometimes maybe the ones that are based right. too much in policy that we can't keep everyone in prison anymore.
6: Right. And those are three things. You know, you're balancing mercy and justice. Yeah. And the politicians have to balance, you know, they're in a tough position. If they move against three strikes, they're out. Oh, you're yeah. out. They're going to be accused of being weak on drugs. Mm-hmm. If they stick with it, The drug problem hasn't gotten any, you're just going to fill up the jails. So it's going to take a certain, if we go back to some of the virtues and wisdom in politics, it's going to take a politician with enough courage to be able to stand up to his constituents and and enough wisdom to explain to them that this is not being soft on drugs, this is being smart. And this is doing the right thing. But you... But if you, if you just kind of kowtow to immediate political pressures, oh, I can't say that. Right. No, I'm going to be hit by, you know, the soft on drugs, I'm going to lose my seat. Then nobody's got the, um, the, the courage or the wisdom to try to come up with policies that are actually humane and work. Mm. So you can kind of see. I know I started by saying how I like to avoid that subject, but, yeah, but you can kind of see how, the, how this whole issue comes back to politics and public policy, too.
0: I love it. And what I also I mean, you know, BYU is a religious organization, and to me, it, that is, that's kind of the godly thing. That's the godly Absolutely. way to be treating humans. Again, everything else aside, we've got to be able to have the wisdom— to, to implement not just a law, but the spirit of it as well. Right.
6: I think that's exactly right. And if you follow the history of practical wisdom kind of through the literature and philosophy, you know, Aristotle is writing before Christianity, but people like Thomas Aquinas... Pick that up, and they take his word for practical wisdom, and they turn it into prudential judgment. Ah. And they talk about the kind of prudential judgment that's needed to interpret God's laws. So you can find this—you can find this in almost in almost any um, in almost any religion. And the key is that you have to be aiming at the right thing. Yeah. Whether it's in a secular world or a religious world, it's the right thing. It's the godly thing. Um, to do, But you have to figure out how to interpret it in this particular circumstance, especially if there are um, uh, principles or rules that are conflicting with each uh-huh. other, and you've got to decide how to do it.
0: And that's why, um, going back to the very definition, and then we've got to wrap it up, is uh, the ability, practical wisdom then, the ability to make the moral or ethical choice in this situation based on this person, this scenario, what's the right thing right now? Right, it's perfect. And that and then that, that's even so even if my kids keep saying, "Hey, that's not fair. Jake got to go here, but we don't get to go." You just right. say, "Hey, I'm just being practically wise."
6: Right. Right. Diligent. Right. With it. Uh, and sometimes, okay. you know, what's fair for Jake is not fair for you because there's that's no right. general rule of fairness. That's
0: so good. Uh, right. Holy cow. Okay. Dr. Kenneth Sharp, where can they get your book? That is a must-read. You can
6: get it the easiest place to get it. If uh, I always say go to your independent bookstore and have the mortar if you can't get it there. It's on Amazon.com. As a matter of fact, yeah. if you just type in the words "practical wisdom." Boom. The book, will, the, book will, the book at Amazon, will come right up on Google. Love
0: it. Well done, Dr. Kenneth Sharp. Thank you so much for joining a pleasure,
6: us. Pleasure, Matt. Thanks for giving S- me the call. So okay. enlightening,
0: really. And go get that book, uh, "Practical Wisdom: The Right Way to Do the Right Thing." What if we all could just be a little more wise, morally, ethically, in the moment? teaching our children how to do this eventually they'll become those judges that change the judiciary they'll be the ones that change the legislature come on let's change it I'm gonna work on Skyboy something I can influence right now we're gonna take a break this is the Matt Townsend show you're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU radio Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, today we're talking about practical wisdom, right? Uh, just got off the phone there with Dr. Kenneth Sharp, uh, the author of the book Practical Wisdom The Right Way to Do the Right Thing. And as part of that, our own Hannah Montana has been doing her own research about um, this idea of false incentives. So sometimes we incentivize, you know, we try to teach our children a lesson, but the way we set it up, the consequences aren't always—they don't always apply in real life.
4: Yeah. So when I heard the term "false incentives," this might be an odd stretch, but the first thing that came to my mind is wilderness therapy programs. Yeah. Um, for teenagers, what a lot of way, times worked
0: awesome for Sky. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. <laughs> he did it 14 times.
2: <laughs> Couldn't get enough he, of it. He has the title 15th, for the most this... wilderness programs any teen has ever done.
4: That's really impressive. I'm not even
2: a teenager anymore and I'm still doing them. Yeah.
4: They actually have them for adults as well. Oh, do they?
2: I like the ones for teenagers more.
4: Okay. That makes sense. You just lie about your (laughs) (laughs) age. Yeah. No, but the the whole idea is that your kid's not behaving. You're not being able to teach them consequences. So you put them out in the wild where they don't really tell them anything. You just wander around for weeks at a time. You know, carrying yeah. everything that desert. you need in the desert, wherever you yeah. are. Um, and nature teaches you natural consequences. You don't set up your tent. Right. You get rained on. Uh, you don't hike long enough or wake up early. Then you don't get water the next day. You don't drag it's your boots. It's all very, very real consequences. Yeah. But the problem is, is that in our homes today, we don't let our kids experience natural consequences, right. which can be a good thing. One example we mentioned earlier is if your kid's playing out in the road. Yeah. You can't just let them get hit by no, a car. let them get
5: hit.
0: They'll yeah. <laughs> learn. They'll learn.
4: Well, you know, and there's there's situations like my dad. If every kid wants to stick their finger in the flame at some point, right?
0: Done. Did it.
4: Yeah. And my dad, he just let you stick it in and then yeah. feel the pain and then it was done. He let you experience the natural consequences. But there's so many situations <laughs> in which we're trying to protect our children.
0: Well, we might We have – I think we even have laws against a lot of these.
4: Yeah, I know. Right? Right?
0: So all of a sudden you make a law that, you know, you used to – there used to be – Now this is an interesting one because if – we can't let them – get hit by a car. So the natural consequence is if you play in the car, you could get hit by – if you play in the street, you could get hit by a car. Can't let that happen. So instead, what we do is we run out, save them, Mm -hmm. then we take them in the house and we beat them and we spank them. And then we call that more natural. Yeah. Well, okay. So I was scared you almost died, so much so that my heart's racing. Now I'm
4: going to beat you. Well, they're, it's because we're trying to link a negative consequence yeah. with our actions. That's not actually the negative – the natural consequence. Um, and the same happens when we're trying to get our kids to do things. So we mm-hmm. offer them incentives. They're like, right. OK, guys, if you could do this, then you get – if you clean your room, you get a toy. Yeah. When really if you clean your room, you get a clean room.
0: Right. You get hygiene. You get – you don't have the health department coming.
4: Yeah. So – but I'm not sure what the solution would be. It's just the idea is interesting.
0: Well, one reason – one thing I guess is to to intentionally try to tie it, right? So Mm -hmm. if my child's going to play in the road, I probably shouldn't just spank him because that doesn't seem like a kind of a natural tie. But I also probably shouldn't starve him Mm because that's probably not another natural tie. But maybe it just means he can't play in the front yard. So you can only go in the backyard because there's a road and you don't get that. So backyard for you. With my son, he gets bad grades. So I've tied it to a very unnatural thing. You get bad grades. You don't get your cell phone.
4: Well, and that's the thing is I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that people don't experience natural consequences. I just think that if you actually learn through natural consequences, it's a much better lesson.
0: Yeah, it's yours. It's yours to own, right? Then you own it. It's not contrived, except the phone, bad grades thing. worked like a charm.
4: Yeah, work no. Like a charm. It, By the it way, does. I
0: own that kid. <laughs>
4: you you I own, own your child. He
0: did. He went and did so many things. I was so proud of him. He just busted out four assignments he didn't he hadn't done. Boom, 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 boom. Had a whole plan. Only because I took his phone.
4: Well, and talking to your kids about why that consequence is linked to their actions, I think, is very, very important.
0: That's probably the rub right there because then you have to be talking to your kids. And a lot of this might be better to talk about it before the problem Mm -hmm. instead of after. So, like, maybe we should have been talking to our son instead of reacting when he got bad grades and taking the cell phone. Maybe what we should have done is said, look, this phone is a right that you earn by certain things and set it up. And so he understands ahead of time what this phone is for. It's not a human right to yeah. have a cell phone. He tried to convince me it's a human right.
7: <laughs> wow.
0: All children on earth need a phone. Not true. But
7: yeah, that's they not true. They need
0: food. We still feed him. They no, need water. I think that actually is really great, He gets great, two Matt. cups of water a day.
4: <laughs> to to talk to kids and, and teach them that what their consequences would be, that mm-hmm. playing in the front yard is a privilege. Yeah. Playing here, doing this, doing all these things is a privilege. And those privileges can be taken away. Those are consequences can happen.
0: Okay, help me with this one because this is one that's been plaguing me since I got to work today. <laughs> okay. Um, I
4: have a feeling what's coming, so go so for it. So
0: <laughs> let's say you have a guy that uh, you walk in and you like, send him nothing but love. Hey, buddy. Mm-hmm. Hey, pal. And he just gives you lip, lip. But let's say he's the board operator that runs your radio show, right? That's on Sirius XM One Forty Three BYU Radio. (laughs) Let's say that's happening. What's the natural consequence if he gives me lip, right?
4: Okay, so I think you should actually take some. (laughs) You should take Andrew Solomon's advice actually, and, and love him ah continue wow. to love him okay by the way some
0: good advice which is great advice and is what i did because what says love more than floss
4: no that's and true and i gave him you a, did a of good floss. job that think, well that improves his behavior because then he loves you more
2: has it improved your behavior it has i think to improve it a little bit more you could also throw in some dinner that i can then use my floss to get out of my teeth so <sighs> i actually have a reason to use the floss you brought up dinner again
0: I gave you floss so you wouldn't talk about food, <laughs> and now you brought up food. Man, it's not working. Whatever. Anyway, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. When we come back, though, we've got some really, really cool guests. Some uh, some friends from the sister station here at uh, BYU Radio. Um, Classical eighty nine. Classical eighty nine. So okay. They're coming, and what they're gonna do is they're they're gonna teach us some things that they wish they had known. You know, earlier. Things they learn just by living life. Let's see if you know them as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're talking about practical wisdom, and uh, we had to look long and hard to find practical wisdom.
8: It's not on Facebook. <laughs> not I can tell here. you right now.
0: I looked all around my team, and we we're like, nope, we don't have it here. <laughs> we tried Sky. Sky's got it. He just doesn't like to share it. He's very careful with his sharing. So we we found two pros. They're from the sister station uh, here in Brigham Young, uh, or BYU Broadcasting. Classical 89, Right. Right. Here, here we go. I've got to get the I've got to get the name right, Jackie. Jackie Tataishi.
8: That's pretty good.
0: And Peggy Woodruffishi. <laughs> Just Peggy Wood. <Woodruff>.
8: Why
7: not?
0: <laughs> now here's the deal. Peggy has six kids. I do. Babies are twenty-year-old twins? How are the old? How old are the oldest? We're not uh,
7: Twenty-eight. They, I had six children in under eight years. Peggy. I did. That was that wise. Yeah. You know what?
0: You do what you got to do. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you do what you got to do. And so we got Peggy here because she's – anybody that can raise six kids and be alive, huge. We have Jackie here. Jackie, do you know why we picked you?
8: And I'm pretty much – Because I was the only one in the office late last no, night when you were No, that's not planning it. Planning and I'm pretty show. sure she was a child.
0: She was a child of six. <laughs> that's true. But here's more importantly. So um, Colonel Rob Sanders said, uh, we, we, when we launched our show, we never really had a show launch so he says, there's one person in this company that actually can get anything done and gets it done huge. Because when you launched your show... It was big. It was huge.
8: 35-piece brass band, two hundred person Davidsons. Harley Davidson's.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've decided you know how to get everything you want. <laughs> so there's got to be some wisdom there. So here's the deal. Practical wisdom, two fine, smart humans... What do you wish you had known? Stuff you didn't learn in school that you've learned just through life that everybody out there in listener land needs to know that you dare tell us.
7: Well, as far as I can see, practical wisdom comes in two different phases. When you have children or when you are a child, it's very nuts and bolts, isn't it? Black and white, right? You know, make your bed before breakfast. (laughs) Clean up the Legos before you get out the Lincoln Logs. Brush
0: your teeth. Floss.
7: Don't yell at your sister. Right. Speak Don't hit. softly. Don't hit. <laughs> and then as you grow and you gain experience, you start to extrapolate these things in life.
0: Yeah. No, totally. And they change. That's what we were just talking about with our other guests. They, then you kind of start moving into gray areas, right? And like you still shouldn't hit.
8: No, you shouldn't.
0: But in your room, you got you to clean your room. But you don't want to clean your room at the expense of hurting someone else and being mad and being a jerk about cleaning your room. I mean, eventually when you're married, somebody's <laughs> going to want the room cleaned. Maybe. You,
8: you know, the principle of cleanup, though, I was talking to Peggy, it applies to everything because it's like clean up as you go, right? That's what we teach little children. But it's also clean up your mental, emotional baggage as you go, as you go along so you don't end up 30 years into the experiment of Huge. life and thinking – gee, I really should have been cleaning up as Hold I on, went I gotta along, write notes. right? That's so, true, because
0: if you don't clean up as you go, yeah. you're just carrying baggage. So if
8: you offend somebody at Thanksgiving dinner this holiday season, you know, clean that up. <laughs>
0: Hypothetically. Get
8: that cleaned up. <laughs> yeah. Take care of that So it doesn't Christmas, come back to bite you. Because Christmas is going to come back and bite right. you. And then you have New Year's and you're going to have to see that person You could avoid again. them.
0: You could just not go.
8: No. just but See, that's just, not
0: cleaning up. That's no. avoiding it.
8: Because then... F- you know, 80 years from now, you'll be alone on Christmas Eve wishing you had cleaned it up all those years ago. So I think clean Jackie. up, that principle applies, you know, that's a time and memoriam principle. Uh, that's for the rest of our lives. isn't it?
0: Leave, leave it better than you found it. Fix yeah. things That's another as one, you guess. go along. Yes. Okay, those are... See? Okay, keep going. <laughs> Educate um, us.
8: One that I thought of is you don't have time or energy to invest in nitpicking other people. Mm. And there's a lot of things in life that we need to... We need other people to be able to assess their own performance. And so the little anecdote from my life as the daughter of parents with six children is... Uh, we had to do dishes and it was a constant battle for my parents, like an emotional drain to have to go in there and say, oh, yeah, gee, it didn't do this or this or yeah. this. And Hello, You've left all these things hanging and it was, you know, it'd get them upset and they're just trying to relax at the end of the day of raising six children. And so they came up with this genius idea. They said, we are not going to put time and energy anymore into nitpicking our kids. And so together as a team, they went into the kitchen. They made a big deal about it. Mom and dad are cleaning the kitchen. We're cleaning up. We're making it nice. They took a photo of that. They put it in the cabinet. And for the rest, I mean, to this day, all they say is, yes, all they say now is, does it look like the photo?
0: That is such a great (laughs) idea.
8: And it's like, it's not emotional anymore. It's calm. But it gave us the tools where we could now assess our own performance and and I think like in work it's the same thing. There's expectations there mm. in work, but you you know, you don't have time and energy to go around nitpicking people. So you need yeah. to think of some practical solution whereby they are
7: empowered and they can assess
8: their own performance that's, and they they had huge.
7: expectations for yeah. you too because you told me you got up you were gotten oh. up to do dishes at three in the morning yes, well, yes. one time I didn't. the expectations oh, yeah. were there from the parents what,
0: what if you were like the only boy in the family and all the sisters were smarter and they never did the dishes but somehow got <laughs> me to do the dishes what's the lesson <laughs> there
8: Oh, buck up and uh, don't let people push you around in life. That's another practical that's wisdom. I'm you got writing that st- one down. Buck up, step up, up. back <laughs> up, a little one. Fight
0: your sisters.
8: Don't let the ladies hold you down. <laughs> read, uh, right. read Tom Sawyer and learn how to get them to pay you to work. Yeah, yeah. that's a you good one. You do
7: have to stand up for yourself sometimes. There's another one, huh? And and cut yourself some slack. Yeah, and cut other people some slack because if your expectations for life are so so high that you're always bitter and resentful cut yourself and others some slack
0: we we don't do that do we like we we kind of judge people really harsh
7: and really fast
0: yeah immediately yeah well i mean you know them so it's worth it you know enough about them to judge them quickly shut them down
8: yeah, and it's really dangerous. It, that's that's super dangerous because a lot of times, especially in a work environment, um, people have a whole lot of hidden talents that you won't, you don't know about. And if you write them off too soon, they can feel that coming oh, yeah. from you, and and then you'll find out about those things later, and you will think, "Oh, I really yeah. need that to They'll be, be successful holding back, here." Though, right? And now they're holding back. So you have really got to hold off the judgment and try to just make friends and be friends. Mm. So you can get all those those
7: talents and people
8: working Leave it in your open, favor. Huh?
7: And can I extrapolate that to don't let others define who you are?
0: Yes, you can.
7: I was when I was a student here at BYU, I was part of an actor's workshop, a professional workshop run by Tad Danielewski, who had been an Oscar winner. And he told us don't read don't believe the reviews. He said, Yes, you can read the reviews, but if they're glowing don't believe they it. They probably don't know what they're talking about. So just <laughs> put it away in the scrapbook and forget it and do the work because it's the work of being better that's important. And he said if the if the reviews are crummy and they condemn you, look through and see if there's anything you can take from it and then forget it because it's, because it's the work of becoming better. That's important. That is
0: huge. Cuz we might get caught up in the what was written in the, in the review, get big heads or feel bad, and the reality is either way, they may not have a clue.
8: You're not as great as they say
7: you are, and you're not as bad as they say you are either. That sounds you're like a journalism You're just fine, term right you know? And yeah. so listen to people, but don't let them be the last word in defining who you are. If they're full of praise, thank them graciously, and yeah. then forget it and go on trying to be a good person. And if they're full of condemnation, forget it.
0: Yeah. You are you were a drama major. I was. See, that to me sounds like a, the perfect – that the perfect degree – to make it through life, <laughs> and because there's tragedies, there's comedies. It gave you can me the role.
7: It gave me a thick skin. It gave the, me the ability to read the books to my children mm-hmm. with all the voices. Yeah, mm. oh, cool. That was important. Oh, I bet that was fun. Best mama. I read them the Lord of the Rings trilogy one summer. Do you with have a little golem for us? Actually, I sound I sounded <laughs> exactly like the Gollum in the movie. What? Let's hear it. Let's hear I'm it. not sure I can do it anymore.
0: When you do it, though, I look at Sky. It. It's easier if you look at sky when you do go What
7: has it got in its pockets?
0: Precious.
8: Wow. moms? Moms are very capable people. That is
7: huge. That was amazing. It was I'd one be, of the best summers of our lives. I would be freaking out.
0: I would be. I would be. I would be too scared to go to bed.
7: It was better years ago. Sorry.
0: No, that was really good. Thanks. Wow, I've got the chills. Uh, what else have you learned as a mom, Peggy? Six kids. Yeah. I, I've learned don't ever take your eyes off them. They'll get you. Have you ever learned that one? They'll get you. Don't it's take impossible
7: your eyes off not to take your no. eyes off six That's why children two under two of you. Then you eight. Got,
0: then you always got two eyes on them.
7: <laughs> but, you know, one thing I learned with the children was this too shall pass. That's huge. I can remember phases in my children's life. My daughter, when she started talking, stuttered, and she'd say, "I I I I I I I I I I I I want my milk." Get to it. How do I fix it? Well, I didn't have to fix it. The doctor said, "You know what? Her brain just hasn't caught up with her tongue." Oh yeah. It'll pass, and it did. When the boy wet the bed, or when you know someone bit. Every child that came within <laughs> reach. Biter. And I felt like I had to fix it yeah. as the mother. And one day it was gone and I, it had passed.
0: And, now, and, and your, your babies are 20
8: mm. on their own. And it's funny you should say that because I asked my mom once. I said, okay, you raised these six children. What's the one piece of advice you would give yourself, not to another mom, but to yourself if you could go back in time? And mm. she, she said, I would tell myself, they're going to grow up and be okay. Everybody, this is all going to turn out OK. It's going to
7: be fine. Go take a nap, lady. Like, God. But, you know, every mother pictures their children either as president of the United States or an axe murderer. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just can't There's no in between. picture that they'll be good people. Right.
0: <laughs> Maybe they're just going to be a lawyer.
7: Yeah. Maybe. Which is kind of a I don't know which of way, way that two.
0: is. That more, yeah. <laughs> it's a nice mix. Man, Jackie, so what did you learn? Because the other thing, you're just a dynamo.
8: Thanks. I love this show. She it really is. is. Well,
0: you really are, and everybody kind of knows that here. I mean, we're all like, we're still mad because <laughs> we didn't even launch our show.
8: We can, we can still make that happen.
0: You know that our show's two hours now.
8: Yes. It's yes. called
0: the Matt Townsend Show Grande.
8: Nice. Nice. <laughs> we can launch the Grande Show. Well, yeah.
0: And, but we, we couldn't because we don't have your leverage you could cuz you know how leveraged. to get stuff done so there's
8: practical what wisdom. did you
0: learn how did you get like how did you get BYU radio or broadcast or radio i guess to 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 get harley davidsons and a band and I remember the band
8: and a whole bunch of decorations for free. Yeah,
0: how did you how did you get that to happen? They
8: told me, "Hey, we really don't have a budget to do this, so good luck with that." And uh, I thought, "There's got to be people that want to have their name associated with the station and with all the good things that happen here." So I just started hitting the street, you know, and asking businesses if they would donate things. And
0: someone donated a band.
8: Everybody, no, the, they really did. What I mean, they was paid a... for the U-Haul to get their timpani here. We didn't pay wow. for that, so. Yeah, everybody, you know, people want to be associated with exciting things. They want to do different things. They want to have a platform. And if you're willing to supply those things and to be encouraging and positive and to do everything in your power to work for them and help them be successful, then then everyone's going to pitch in and it's going Mm. to turn out okay. I mean, it's it's a lot like cooking dinner for for eight for an army. I mean, everybody kind of pitches in and does
7: something and, and it turns out. Dinner. But you know, know Jackie yeah. is the epitome of some practical advice. Believe in the possibilities. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. Believe that it can be done. She is so optimistic Isn't and so that cool? sure we'll do it. Sure, why not? We can do that impossible but you, thing. You <laughs> you
0: should have seen her yesterday, Peggy, when we were trying to get her to come on the show today. Yeah. She was like what she was doing is spinning every other possibility.
7: I
8: wanted you to call a Southern mama because they she, are...
0: <laughs> she gave they, us 50 other well, great I ideas. I can do an
8: accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that, maybe
0: that's why she had you, Peggy. She's like, Peggy will do it. She can be 20 people.
8: <laughs> Southern mamas have good advice. See, mama says.
0: you never... You don't... You're not hopeless.
8: No. I, no. She's
7: hopeful. She is.
0: She's full of it.
8: I think, I think there's a lot of things... That, uh, many of the important, most important things that we have to learn, we can't ever learn in the classroom. Yep. And my father and my parents, I owe everything to them. I think they were both raised poor. I think being poor is powerful. If you're poor out there and you're raising children and you think they're being denied, really, you're giving them all the tools that oh, they yeah. need to be successful in life. And so I had a resume when I was nine years old. Hold it, what? I had a resume when I was 9 years old and you, I think child
0: labor laws, you know that's <laughs> <no>. illegal.
8: <laughs> My father one day was making his resume, working on his resume and he said come over here let's do a resume for you. What can you do? And so I told him the things I could do and he typed it into the computer and printed it out How on an official cool piece of is paper. That? And I, from that point, always knew, hey, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to need to get a job. And in the real world, you have to have a resume and you have to know yourself and you have to know how to sell yourself and you have to know what you're capable of doing. And so from nine years old on, I was always thinking, what can I do? How would I write that on a piece of paper? What am I capable of achieving? And I think if you think of your children or or anybody out there you need to get you need to help them get in that mindset you know what's the ultimate goal get them out of the house and make sure they have a job and they're not an ex murder like peggy hi. said and and so you can do things even when they're young to help them help them do that and and you know train them when i was a girl scout uh my father taught me don't say would you like to buy a box of cookies say How hi i'm I'm Jackie. I'm selling Girl Scout cookies. How many boxes can I put you down for? Holy
0: cow. The assumptive cells right there. You just assume the sell.
8: And they'd always cough and then say, "Uh, one.
0: One little lady.
8: And it was just one, 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 one. But that was one one, one more
7: than you would have gotten That is
0: amazing. You should have been a car dealer, a car salesperson. What's it going to take to get you in this car today? That's what you say. Man. Wow. I didn't know that. What's with the... uh, Your last name, Jackie? Tateishi. Tateishi. That
8: means Standing Rock in Japanese. Hold on. Does it really? It does. We're the Standing Rock family. Jackie Standing Rock. Jackie Standing Rock. Watch out. Uh, I'm not going anywhere.
0: I'm Standing (laughs) Rock. Um, Here you sit, marry this cute guy. Yeah. Multicultural family. Yes. What are you learning there?
8: Oh, lots of things. That's for the interracial Matt Townsend we're, episode. We're going to do we, I want
0: to do it. I really want to do that. But I want do anything that, like, because, I mean, marriage is hard anyway. Yeah. Blending this. Peggy's been at it for a yeah. while.
7: A while. But
0: Peggy lived abroad she with did. her family. I did. Tell us about that, too.
7: We lived in northeastern Brazil for three years. Why? It was, my husband was a mission president in See? Recife.
0: For the, oh, is that how you say it?
7: Recife.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I don't say that right. <laughs> but for three years, for three you years, left with some of your kids? With
7: five of my six children.
0: To go serve for the LDS Church over a bunch of those missionaries that wear those white shirts mm-hmm. and name badges and ride bikes.
7: Mm-hmm. About 150 to 194 missionaries at a time.
0: So you were a mom to 200-ish kids. Mm-hmm. I was, kids.
7: plus my own five who <laughs> didn't know a word of Portuguese and kind of... Wondered why they were in one of the most dangerous cities in yeah. Brazil.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mom, what's
3: with all the drive-bys or whatever?
5: That's amazing. It
7: was. My my children all saw bodies. Did they um, really? They did. And it it seemed like
5: <laughs> – Yeah. Yeah.
7: They, they learned a lot of – it was an adventure. They learned that all of the world was not Provo.
0: Yeah, Provo, Utah. And
7: that they could be happy there and that they could learn and that they could – they were fabulous. Mm-hmm. They learned to love the place.
0: What did you learn about family?
7: It was Families it was are resilient. Great. They're
0: more resilient than you think. It, it was
7: great like. for our family because uh, being a very dangerous city, it was not safe for my really white children. Yeah, I bet. We were the whitest people in the city, <laughs> in that state Blowing of Brazil. Light. Yeah. And so it wasn't necessarily safe for them to run around the city. Yeah. And so we really glommed together as a family. We bonded. Hmm. We spent time. We uh, they learned to make movies and invite their Brazilian friends in, and they all learned the language. And um, it was great for our family. I, I
0: bet. I mean, it seems like that would scare me to death.
7: Oh, would it, you ever yeah.
0: go to Japan?
7: Oh,
8: yeah, sure. Actually, i would you go live that's there? one of the funny things about interracial marriages is like I was attracted to the culture of Japan and had taken a little Japanese in high school. So I was always thinking, oh, wouldn't that be great to go there? And my husband was attracted to the things of America and <laughs> always think, wouldn't it be great to go there? Yeah, no so, one's going to go anywhere. So actually in our home, I'm the one who would like to go uh, back to Japan neat. and my husband would, would like to remain in America since that was his dream. So that's something you never think about. But, But like with Peggy...
7: I mean, you didn't know Portuguese before you went down there, right? I didn't, but I had studied French for six years before I was sent on a Spanish-speaking mission. Wow. <laughs> and so Portuguese is kind of a perfect blend yeah. of the two, so I was able to, to pick it up.
0: You're like trilingual.
7: Well, I really only speak one language at a time. Yeah, dude, me too. <laughs> I forget the other yeah, two. But, like but there's
8: practical wisdom in that and the fact that you're a little bit older now and you you learned a new language. Like, that was what mm. was required in order to get through this
5: did
0: that mess you? Event of you? my I mean, life. I but, need
8: to do this. So like learning that's gotta new skills. has got to be scary. Yeah. All of a sudden you got to go
0: get a new language. Yeah. Oh, that would be horrible.
7: It is scary. Um Scarier for me was driving around the city in my very own car when there were no mountains to tell me east from west yeah. and I have no sense of direction. Oh. And you never knew when you were going to drive into a really hazardous right, yeah, dangerous neighborhood. Oh, man. That was frightening. But I did it.
0: Did you guys learn much about um, practical things like – we're going to gonna take a break. We're going to come back and play a game.
8: Ooh, oh, good. I like games. <laughs> and
0: I, I'm going to – I, I got to warn you. I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> so I learned a lot about chemistry when my mom was gone. <laughs> and we're going to come back and we're going to test you on certain things that like – so if you have a stain on your shirt, do you know how to get rid of the stain. Oh. I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried because you had stains on 200 missionaries you had to probably clean off. (laughs) So uh, we're going to come back, and uh, Peggy and Jackie are going to hang with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're playing a game. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Matt Townsend Show. And, yes, the game show music because we are playing a game right now. I think the game is uh, clean that... Mark off your tie. I don't know what we're calling it. It's put together by Hannah Montana. (laughs) Hannah, what's the game?
4: Okay, so the game is testing how you, if you know, kind of basic how to fix things. Okay,
0: yeah.
7: Okay. So So it's not
0: just, you know, getting a stain out.
7: We don't have buzzers? No buzzers.
0: (laughs) We'll just rotate turns. I have a feeling, again, I just don't want to scare you, but I was home a lot fixing and breaking a lot of things
4: well there's also some stuff about food and food preparation and storage maybe just
0: that's great maybe just ask us a question and then we'll go through and give the answers and then one of us will probably be right
8: okay so how can you make your celery stay fresh for weeks okay you got to keep it wrapped up you can't just keep it out in the refrigerator
7: you got to keep it wrapped in some cellophane or something what do you think peggy if uh, – you know, it does – it is a f- pretty forgiving vegetable. If you keep it wrapped up, it's OK. But if you open it up and it's limp, you cut off the end and stick it in a glass of ice water and it will refresh itself within about wow. 20 minutes. Wow.
0: Those are really good tries. Um,
7: <laughs> is that wrong? What do you do, Matt? I, I,
0: would, I wouldn't pick it. I just leave it in the ground. Is it in the ground? You
4: don't like the No, you bought it from it? the store.
0: Oh, then I would eat it. Why okay. would you keep it around longer than a day? eat it who's right
4: all right so peggy had a great ideas for how to make it fresh again and um jackie was on the right route but you actually wrap it in tin foil.
7: really uh uh-huh
0: what about okay okay okay, i thought we ate it
8: okay question two how do you remove tomato stains you know i don't know off the top of my head exactly but i do know this if you lift the top of your washing machine lid there, they have written every kind of stain you can imagine and how to get it out, and it is all. All you have to do is lift, no, no, lift up your no. the lid of your washing machine, and it's all written there. I, I promise. No. I'm
7: sorry to disappoint you, but it's not written on the lid of
8: my washing machine. Well, you mine, mine it is all. Yours written is there. a new machine.
7: Every kind of Peggy,
8: stain you, you could do it? ever get.
7: I would just put um, soap and water I, on it as soon as possible. I either pour boiling water on it right away, hmm. or I. Um, Spray something like shout on it. That's and what let I was going to say.
0: Sit. You want a tough stain out? Shout it out! Bam! <laughs> it's that simple, Jackie. You don't look at your washer. I
7: do. I do. What
0: do you cow. think, Matt? <laughs> I would a. I would I would have a towel on before I ate spaghetti sauce. Makes sense. B. I probably would find my wife and ask her.
4: Okay. Lame.
0: Or I'd call Skye's mom.
4: Although Sky's mom does know everything, if you had to come up with it, uh, up with the answer yourself, the thing that gets almost any stain out is vinegar. Ooh, Ooh. soak it in vinegar and then you wash it.
0: Lighter can get them out too.
4: That can honestly get out almost any stain in existence.
7: Mustard. Uh, it doesn't get out ballpoint pen, unfortunately. Let's
0: do one it. more, really fast, because I've got, I've got, an, I've got, I'm getting good now.
7: Okay, <laughs> all right.
4: What can you use as a substitute for oil, butter, and sugar? That's healthier option.
0: Mm, let's hear it, ladies. A combination
7: of oil, butter, and sugar.
4: It's, any, it, any it, of those things? Oh. What can you use to replace
8: it as a healthier option?
4: Uh,
8: applesauce. What? I've used applesauce, but I think it depends on the recipe. Because, you know, like you can use yogurt sometimes if it's for sour cream and a cake. So it kind of depends on huh. on what the fat is, right? What you can substitute.
7: Oil, butter, and sugar. Yeah.
0: I wasn't even thinking that. I'm going to go with bacon. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Peggy That's got a- it
7: right. It is applesauce. Uh, what? See, Peggy. I have used applesauce. <laughs> that comes from cooking dinner for 30 Not fair. years.
0: Peggy has six kids and 200 missionaries. <laughs> Not fair. Peggy Woodruff, thanks for joining us. Good to be here. Jackie Tataishi, thank you for joining us.
7: No
8: problem.
0: You guys rocked it. Oh, thanks. And you were all afraid. (laughs) Whatever. But I will give you some more tips after the show about how you take care of other stuff. Okay. From my latchkey days. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. Thanks for joining us. Again, remember the goal is to give you some, uh, some good in the world. Let you see the beautiful things that we're blessed to have. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with more ideas, more tools to help you get a leg up in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.